But he's just been kind of criminally overlooked his entire life at every turn, but he, he never kind of took it personally. He always just did his thing and, and he rose above. Welcome to episode 198 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. The Calgary International Film Festival will have a baseball flavor to it this year. It Ain't Over takes a look at the life and times of New York Yankees great and Hall of Fame catcher Yogi Berra. Famous for his on-field play as well as his wit, humor, and yogiisms, Berra was also misunderstood. Director Sean Mullen tries to set the record straight by chatting with Berra's granddaughter Lindsay as well as former teammates, sports writers, and admirers like Billy Crystal. Our Ian Wilson wrote a story recently about his chat with Mullen, and here now is that conversation. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. Why don't we start with your initial involvement in this this project? How did this come to pass for you? Um, so I was approached by um, the, the head, kind of the lead producers, the initial producers were a father-son duo, or are a father-son duo, um, um, Peter and Mike so- Soboloff, uh, they had um, they had been involved with me in the previous project. They had financed my first uh, my first scripted narrative feature film was a film called Amira and Sam that I wrote and directed um, back in 2015. They had been involved with that, and so they wanted to work on something else. And I was finishing up a different documentary at the time. This would have been summer of 18, so four years ago. Um, okay. I got a call from them saying, "Hey, you know, we have access to, to the Barra family." They had, they knew the Barra family through some um, uh, charity events uh, uh, through the Yogi Berra Museum in, in New Jersey, a golf event in particular, and they just called me up and said, you know, there's never been a documentary made um, about Yogi and we have access to the family. Would you be interested in directing it? And, um, you know, I'll be honest, my, my initial take was like, well, he sounds like too perfect of a guy. Like, I don't know what the narrative <laughs> is, what's the story, what's the drama. You know, was, I don't know if there's a movie in there. You know, he's a fascinating guy, but, you know, what's kind of the hook? So I... I asked for a little bit of time. I did some research, um, and I, I found a, a really great book uh, this, um, about his story and, and his life, and you know, kind of, kind of, but he's just been kind of criminally overlooked his, his entire life, and um, at every turn. But he he never kind of took it personally. He always just did his thing, and, and he rose above. And so, um, yeah, I said yes, and, and came on board in summer of eighteen. We didn't start shooting probably till spring of nineteen, and we really gathered steam going into. Uh, early 2020, and then of course shut down for a year um, uh, because of COVID, and then popped back up in 2021 for a bit, and then just finished up. And um, yeah, and, and uh, films out, getting ready to get out of the world here soon. That's great. Um, tell me, with a guy like Yogi Berra, like uh, Hall of Fame catcher on the most famous baseball team in the in the planet, one of the most famous brands on on the planet. You know, there's just such a volume of information and documentation, video, film, uh, archival material. Was that daunting at all, kind of, you know, almost having information overload at all? Or Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially when, you know, you, you, you start doing... I'm sorry, I had an alarm to go off. Um, when you start... Um... You know, anytime you take on a documentary about someone's life, especially somebody like Yogi Berra, there's just a, a, so much information to sift through. And and the very first thing kind of did was take a step back. And um, you know, my creative uh, co-producer on the film, Michael Connors, is a um, 
my my, my partner, uh, my creative partner for years and years with Five Eight Productions, my production company, and so he came on board really quickly, and we took just a big, big, uh, you know, thirty thousand foot view of Yogi's life and and these kind of key events, and then we broke, you know, like any kind of you know filmmaker would do, we broke it down three acts and 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 that's where the kind of like the writing you know people get confused a little bit oh you know you write a documentary well i'm not writing the interviews i'm not writing what people are <laughs> saying uh but what what i do write is the structure and I, and I break uh you know broke his life down into three acts and then even further into eight sequences essentially we broke his life into kind of these eight sequences uh that 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 are um that feed the overall structure and so once we had that that kind of dictated what we could kind of keep in it and, and, and leave out. And so it, it made the process a little bit easier. It also made it a little bit easier to communicate with my editor, uh, Julian Robinson. I have an incredible editor. The film is very well edited. Um, and it wouldn't be as strong if Julian was not involved. And But being able to go to Julian and say, hey, these are the eight sequences we're going to, you know, um, uh, focus on uh, made it a lot lot easier when it came time to sift through archival and stuff like that, as well as syncing up all of our interviews, which we did a ton over fifty or sixty interviews. So, did you ever come to a point in the project where you're like, okay, I've got to, we got to stop, <laughs> like in terms of the <laughs> the, the information yeah. gathering <laughs> portion? Yeah, no, there, there always comes a point where you know you can tell the story forever, but no, we yeah, we you know I think. You know, once we came out of, you know, when we went into COVID, we probably had shot maybe, oh goodness, I don't know, 60 or 70% of what we needed. So we still needed about a good solid third of the film uh, with, as far as interviews and, and stuff. And so uh, as soon as we came out, our first interview out of the pandemic was Billy Crystal. He was our yeah. first interview um, yeah. in March of 2021. 20, uh, the interview went so well. I missed that in his backyard here in LA, and uh, we talked baseball for, we talked Yogi specifically for, you know, over 90 minutes. And uh, I mean, that could have been a documentary, just cut that <laughs> 90 minute interview. I mean, he was so incredible. I mean, we probably used like maybe three or four minutes of him in the movie. Um, but uh, but as soon as that interview, that was definitely a point where I was like, I went back to my producers. I called my producers after that interview. I said, okay, we're, we're on the downhill slide. I mean, I think, you know, this is a, a huge piece of, you know, uh, of the puzzle that, that that is now in place, and so we just you know finished wrapped up, and then the the final person we ended up interviewing was actually um, uh, Hal Steinbrenner, uh, George uh, Steinbrenner's uh, son, uh, who's um, owning owns the Yankees. Uh, yeah, I was uh, in some of the research I did. I found it interesting that you know Steinbrenner was one guy who who issued a public apology to Yogi, which uh, seemed very un Steinbrenner esque. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it was rare, but there was a lot of pressure, you know, I demolished those putting pressure on him, and we get into it in the film, but yeah, no, it's not something, um, it's not some people like, like Sam Rare don't, um, weren't known uh, to admit they were wrong, you know, <laughs> so, and, and so I think, I think there's some undercurrents of, of uh, kind of the current political climate as well, where there's a kind of a good feeling in, in, in that moment, you know. Yogi was such a... a celebrity and and a cultural figure uh, like you just say the name yogi and i think most people know exactly you know where you're going with that uh did that persona kind of uh, and that almost a caricature of who he was did that overshadow who he was as a, a ball player and and also as a human being well yeah i mean that was really the end you know that that's what that was kind of the the real engine that we got a hold of very early to help drive our narrative is this idea that uh, his his personality overshadowed what he did on the diamond. I mean, he was an incredible, incredible baseball player. I mean, not just the ten World Series rings, 
you know, but, um, you know, just, uh, you know, seven years, there's a stat that's not in the film, and so I like to say it, you know, when I'm, t- I'm talking about the film, but, uh, you know, seven years in a row, you know, you finish in the top four for MVP voting. That's only happened one other time in the history of baseball. Um, mm-hmm. Mike Trout did it recently, but, <laughs> but just to be able to be in the top four, and he won three MVPs as well, and um, just, you know, and he caught both ends of a double header 117 times. I mean, he caught, obviously, <laughs> the perfect game with Larson. He called all 93 pitches in that, in that, in that uh, incredible performance of Larson. So, um, yeah, it's just the list goes on and on. I mean, he was an incredible, incredible player, but his off-the-field persona, um, you know, quickly uh, overshadowed that. And I think, you know, we get into it in the film, but, you know, people are really quick to, um, you know, um, misinterpret uh, um, people who are funny as, as being not good. You know, mm. it's hard to be both funny and good. You know, uh, you know the Oscars aren't given to comedies, right? It's got to be <laughs> drama. It's got to be serious. You know, they, you yeah. can't be both funny and good. And there's something really fascinating in there for me as well. And it, this is where it tipped, you know, tapped into my background. And, um, you know, I, I was a stand-up comedian, but also I had gone to West Point. I was a captain in the Army, and I was a first responder at Ground Zero, but I was doing stand-up comedy at night. And I've, I've always had a very dual kind of... Um, uh, you know, I've been hard to put into a box, and I think Yogi is very difficult to put into a box and to categorize. And, and I think uh, that's something that, that the film. I think we did. I'm proud of pulling that out. Were you aware of his uh, his military background uh, entering the project, and and also, I mean, you would have been aware of his comedic uh, quips and sayings, the Yogiisms. Yeah. Uh, that would have appealed to the comedy side, but but were you aware of his his military service, and, and was that something that attracted you to the project as well? Yeah, absolutely. No, the fact that he, um, you know, the fact that Yogi, um, you know, had a, a signed contract in hand to play base, professional baseball with the Yankees, and said, you know what, I'm I'm actually going to take a break here. I'm going to serve my serve my country and go go off and fight the war, not just any war, but World War Two, and, and not only anywhere, but on the front lines, and, mm-hmm. and not only on the front lines, but on D-Day in Normandy. I mean, you know, you just, it's just his life is so full of these moments that are almost feel unbelievable. But yes, I did know a little bit about his service prior. Um, it was something that drew me to it, but uh, I didn't know the depths of, of kind of what he did and what he was involved with until we got deeper into the project. He seems like such a happy-go-lucky positive guy uh throughout his entire life but he did he did face adversity uh definitely in the pursuit of baseball and playing baseball from his own family um how did how did you view how he handled adversity i think it's pretty straightforward uh he had a really strong moral center a very strong moral code he lived by he was Yes, he was, you know, um, happy-go-lucky a lot, and you know, yes, he was easy to to get along with, uh, get along, go along. Um, but if you crossed him, or if you did something wrong, or if you didn't do the right thing, he uh, he didn't have any patience for it. He didn't have any time for it. So he was he was just a guy who constantly made the right decisions and was always on kind of the right side of history, so to speak. And you know, whether that was um, you know desegregating baseball um, or whether it was. You know, um, standing up for his for you know his value with with Steinbrenner, or whether it was, um, you know, really being there for his kids, especially Dale, who went some, through some very very difficult times. So he had a very strong moral center, and I, I think that that really comes across in the film as well. So, um, yeah. 
the the Barra family was was obviously very involved in this uh, this project in this film. Uh, Lindsay Barra, in particular, that creates a kind of a level of accountability in terms of, of the storytelling. Uh, what was that dynamic like? Yeah, it was really pretty fascinating. I'll be honest with you, because when we started the project, we I, I was first introduced to the three sons, uh, Larry, Tim, and Dale. Uh, I spoke with each of them, and they, they they said you know they gave us kind of the blessing to tell the story, and um, and then they said you know we had to meet Lindsay, and Lindsay's uh, Lindsay is the oldest grandchild of Yogi, uh, and uh, her father's Larry, uh, the oldest son, and so. Um, started talking with Lindsay and she was really great. We interviewed her. She gave us a tour of the museum and she was just going to be another talking head in the film. That was the initial plan. She was never intended to narrate or anything like that. But the more we spoke with her or the more we got to know her, I'd say about a third of the way through the project, I just went to my producers and said, hey, you know, we've been talking about, you know, getting a narrator for this film. And we were looking at something like Billy Crystal or somebody with a, you know, kind of a big kind of Hollywood name to narrate the film. Um, but uh, I just went to my producers and said, I think Lindsay is our way in because she kept telling that story over and over again about how she was watching the All-Star game in 2015 and they're not, you know, they were talking about the best living players and he wasn't included in this list. And like, why wouldn't he be included if he was clearly one of the you know, best living players? So, um, you know, the decision to bring her on board kind of in a more formal position as, an, as a narrator and kind of executive producer uh, didn't come until maybe a third of the way through the process. And the reason she came on as an executive producer, she had really incredible access to a lot of our subjects for interviews. So, you know, she, she could call Vin Scully and say, hey, Vin, we're making a movie about Grandpa. Do you want to, you want to talk? <laughs> and, and, you know, and not a lot of people can make that phone call. So um, she's really wonderful. She's just a wonderful, incredible person. Um, and I think her, um, you know, her, you know, love um, and her care and, her, you know, everything that she stands for kind of comes out in the film. But, you know, not in a way that's hopefully too... Um, you know, we, we didn't want to make a, a hagiography, right? We didn't make something that's, that's a total puppy, that's a total just, um, you know, uh, you know, too too, too much uh, one-sided. We, you know, we, we realized that having someone like that narrate the film was going to be inherently subjective, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So we did our best to kind of, you know, keep keep as much uh, of an objective, uh, you know, overall look at Yogi's life as possible. There seems to be a competitiveness that comes through with Lindsay in terms of, yogi's legacy and she really it seems very important to her that that he not be uh left out of these these discussions about the greatest catchers of all time and, and things like that yeah absolutely i mean there's definitely part of that she's a very competitive person and and she obviously you know and i i think for good reason i think if you just look at the numbers i mean you know it, it's hard to say that yogi's not one of the kind of the all-time greats and um, you know, he does get left off uh, of, of certain things and, and forgotten. Um, even just very recently, uh, there was an article that came out that, you know, didn't mention him in, in, in this talk of, of these kind of great catchers. And so, um, yeah, uh, yeah, she, I think she, she's definitely competitive about it and passionate about it, but passion's a good thing. And, um, you know, hopefully after people see the film, uh, they'll understand uh, where that passion comes from. Was there anything that surprised you about uh, Yogi in, in the interviews you did or the research that you did? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to interview Yogi because he passed away in 15. So I never met, I actually never met Yogi Berra. So to make a documentary about him, you know, about somebody you never met is obviously, you know, a, a little, um, you know, tricky. And, and um, But as, as far as things that popped up that was surprising, I think, um, you know, just, you know, the one... The one thing that we uncovered in the film is these love letters that he used to write to Carm, his wife. So mm -hmm. he had a wonderful 
wonderful, wonderful marriage to a wonderful, wonderful woman for a majority of his life. And um, uh, her name was Carmen. She went by Carm. And um, and he wrote these love letters to her when they first started uh, dating, um, you know, back in the 40s when he was playing. And it's really super, super sweet. So Lindsay reads, we have, we kind of book him, uh, their kind of romance with Lindsay reading one initially. And then we have, we have Carm reading one a little later. And it's really sweet. So that was something I think a lot of people don't know about that I didn't really know about. And uh, I think it really helps give our film a real solid emotional core, this, this love story between you know, him and his wife. Um, it's, it's a really beautiful thing. Are you a sports fan, a baseball fan at all? Or, like, was that a natural draw to you or or, or no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did grow up. I mean, I'm originally from Indiana, and, I, and then when I was nine years old, I moved to Boca Raton, Florida. So I, went to, so I bounced between Indiana and Florida as a child. I'm playing sports the whole time. I'm, I'm six foot four, you know, well over 200 pounds, so I'm a big guy. I played a lot of you know football and basketball growing up. Uh, I played rugby in college. I played rugby at West Point. Um, I played all four years there, so I became a rugby player and uh, played in Europe a little bit when I was in the army. So um, sports have always been kind of a, a big passion of mine. But I'm not. Uh, this is my first kind of film, you know, um, that that deals with with sports in any way. So I thought it was a pretty natural overlap. So I was able to talk about. I think I, I did a, a pretty decent job of. of about baseball in a way that, that insiders would know, but also wouldn't alienate uh, outsiders. I, it, you know, it's very important for us to, to not to, you know, you know, be selling this film in, in, in our minds as a baseball movie. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a baseball movie. I don't think it's a sports movie. I, I think it's really just a story about a life well lived. Mm-hmm. You know, it's ultimately it's about a granddaughter kind of standing up for a grandpa, which is kind of an, I don't know. I feel like a universal story, so you don't need to know much. I mean, baseball is pretty much over by the fact. I mean, that's something that's surprising. There's, you know, by the time we're 30 minutes into this, you know, we're not seeing too much baseball anymore. It's, it's more about Yogi and his legacy and his impact and, you know, his managing and, and his, um, the trials and tribulations he was put through, uh, you know, for being such a character. He's he's obviously, uh, as I mentioned earlier, associated with the yogiisms. Like I can't go a whole interview without asking you about them. I, I think that's something that that really would have played well in, you know, the social media soundbite era that that we're in. You know, the the TikTok stuff and all of that. Uh, did do you have any fav, favorite uh, yogiisms or? Well, yeah. I mean, I definitely have a few favorites. Um... You know, I, uh, you know, for me, the, he was talking about one of his favorite restaurants, and um, he says, uh, nobody goes there anymore, it's too crowded. Um, <laughs> and, and I just, to me, is that so perfect, you know, it just encapsulates, uh, you know, so many things in such a simple yogism. Yeah. So I like that one. Um, yeah, I, gosh, uh, you know, w- you know, when you come to the fork in the road, take it, is a big one. There's, there was one, he was driving his family. Uh, I like, I guess I like more of the philosophical ones that make you think a little, mm-hmm. and, uh, and which the real yogisms are all of, all of those. But, um, you know, he was driving his family one time and, um, you know, Carm, his wife said they were lost and he said, yeah, we're lost, but we're making great time. <laughs> um, and, and, and so like, I don't know, that to me is just really, really great. Makes you, makes you think. And, um, yeah, we have a whole section, we have a whole segment of the film where we go through them all and kind of break them down and which ones are real. And, you know, another famous one is I didn't say all the things I said. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so it's really, which is true, it's, isn't it's it? It's a really fun section. <laughs> we had been, I had, I had been told by numerous people that he's the second most quoted American outside of Mark Twain, but we <laughs> couldn't get documentation. I couldn't get documentation for that anywhere. So it's not that, that little take, you know, that's not in the film. I didn't want to put it in the film. I couldn't, you know, verify. Right. Well, I, I respect the, uh, the, the intellectual honesty with that. That's, <laughs> it's good to add checks and balances yeah. there. 
Um, now you're bringing this film to the the Calgary International Film Festival. Uh, why why this particular film festival? And and uh, have you had experiences in Calgary before? Or just tell us about coming to this neck of the woods. Uh, no, you know I, I haven't, and um, I haven't. Uh, I, I've been to Canada a few times. Um, I, the film premiered at Tribeca Film Festival in New York in June, and, and then went to Nantucket, and we won the two top awards at Nantucket, the Best of Fest uh, Award as well as the Audience Award. And now we're gonna we're slated to um, play a bunch of festivals this fall, and then it'll be released probably most likely. It's not official yet. We've got some interest from some key distributors, which is exciting, and so we're negotiating a a distribution deal as we speak, and so hopefully it'll be distributed in, in early 2023. Um, but uh, um, as far as Calgary, I've never been, and, and this is probably something I shouldn't be saying. I think you're going to be on the <laughs> podcast, probably not do great, but I, I, about back in 2015, 16, well, as a kid, I grew up watching a lot of hockey and, and loving sports, and you know, yeah. I was a, a bit of a Gretzky fan, just as everybody was, you know, and, and didn't had no idea where Edmonton was, and uh, so it felt like the other end of the earth, and, and I actually shot a documentary a few years ago where I went, made a few trips to Edmonton, and I, and so I ended up starting rooting for the Oilers, actually, so I, I don't know, um, you know, so the only thing I know about Calgary, you know, really, other than uh, it being such a beautiful, incredible place, is that, that rivalry has been really heated uh, and uh, between the, 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 you know, the Oilers and Flames, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited to get on up there and, and, and see it in person. So. Well, I'll, I'll let you know you're you're in safe hands there because uh, I'm actually I'm living behind enemy lines. I'm an Oiler fan living in Calgary, and oh, uh, there we go. Yeah, All the... right. I didn't... <laughs> wow. I, yeah. Hope, I hope I didn't out you there. But, oh um, no, no, yeah. I, I I fly that flag. I I like the uh, the banter that that comes along with that. But yeah. no, the the, uh, yeah. the guy that I co-created uh, Alberta dugout stories with. He's a Flames fan, so we we balance each other out that way. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. Yeah, I don't know something about the Oilers. I've been rooting for them ever since since seventeen. So that's four or five years. I've, you know, I know I live in LA. I mean, the Kings are here here, but you know, I don't know. I just there's something about uh, that team and Connor McDavid. And I don't know. It, yeah. They've they've been really fun to root for. So, but uh, but I know Calgary is obviously incredible, and um, I'm excited to get up there. I heard it's I heard it's gorgeous. So I'm I'm going to try to make it out for it. I'm. I'm shooting two documentaries right now, um, which I can't uh, really talk too much about. But um, they're both—they're both a pretty intense production schedule. So um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up to the festival, but I, I really hope the timing works out to get on out there. So I'm just, uh, yeah, looking forward to it if I, if I can get. Good stuff. Well, I have to ask you now: Who did you cheer for, the Kings or the Oilers in that series? Uh, oh, uh, all in on the Oilers. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you're living yeah. behind enemy lines down there. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I am a little bit, but that's fine. But LA, LA is a, a weird sports town. We can get into that in another podcast. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, not, I don't know. That, yeah, not a lot of. I don't know. Anyways, that's another another conversation. No, that's fine. That might be another documentary down the road. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I won't keep you too much longer. I I did want to ask you. Uh, mainly, what 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 do you want people to take away from it? Ain't over. What uh, is is when they walk out of the, the the screening of watching it? What what do you want them to be feeling and thinking? You know, I, the best compliment we got. So we got, the film premiered at Tribeca Film Festival in New York. We had a thousand seat, you know, opening night uh, or afternoon, you know, um, theater where we got a standing ovation. It was really incredible experience. It was really once a lifetime experience. So, and this one man came up to me and he seemed like a really nice guy and he, and he said you know 
I've been married for 26 years and I'm, you know, I love my wife and we're really great. He goes, but you're moving me and we want to be even better to her, you know? And I was like, well, that's, you know, if you can put something out in the world where it inspires people to, to maybe just be a little better in their lives, do things a little, you know, maybe come up with their own kind of moral code that, that is positive and, and, and geared towards, you know, kind of uh, those eternal things, you know, of treating um, people well and, and, and just being a good person. Um, you know, if, if people can walk away from the film with that, uh, you know, we'll have succeeded. And the fact that people already are makes me feel like I've already succeeded. So that's that's quite the compliment. Uh, was there anything on a, on a personal level where you felt that compulsion as well? Oh, to live my life a little better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I've had that compulsion for decades. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to live my life a little better. But no, I. No, I mean, kidding aside. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think. I think Yogi did inspire me to, um, you know, take a, take stock of, of where I'm at and, and, and to just, you know, just to always do the right thing. I mean, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of what I was taught at West Point, you know, you always choose the, you know, the harder right over the easier wrong. And, you know, we have all these mantras from, from you know, from going to school at the United States Military Academy that, that um, overlaid with Yogi's uh, kind of worldview. So it was kind of nice. I think it, I think it just reignited, maybe recrystallized some of those, um, you know, some of those worldviews that I was taught decades ago. And, uh, and, I, and I, I'm excited to bring them to a whole new generation of, of fans. And, um, and again, you don't even need to be a baseball fan. You don't need to be a Yankee fan. You don't need to, don't need to, you just need to be a fan of life, really. You know, uh, that's it. Well, that's it in terms of the, the questions uh, I had for you. But uh, thanks again for your time. If you had any closing thoughts or anything like that, feel free. Now's the time to, to go off the board. But uh, but thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no, no worries at all. No, I, I just, you know, thank you. I, I'm just excited to see you know, how the film plays in Canada and, and how it gets received. Um, I, I don't know. I know there's some baseball up there, as you know, and uh, obviously uh, in, in certain areas. But, um, you know, I'm excited to, to get it out to the world. And, um you know, I just hope that people um, will walk away from this, uh, you know, going through an entire emotional experience. I mean, it's a 90, it's about 95 minutes, but you, there are highs and uh, there are, are lows and, and you get sucked in emotionally and, and that's all I'm hoping uh, happens. And I just am excited to, to be up in Calgary and, I, and I'm so thankful that um, you all want to see the film. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Sean. I uh, hope you have a great day and uh, yeah, we'll hopefully connect with you if you can make it up to Calgary as well. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Hey, go Oilers, right? Yeah, there you go. Go Oilers. Take care. <laughs> no, okay. Thanks, thanks for your time, too. Thanks again to Sean Mullen for joining us this week, and thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you haven't already, leave us a rating and review on your podcast app to help spread the word about ADS. We'd also like to tip our cap to our Platinum supporters for all they do for us and for baseball in Alberta. The Okotoks Dogs have been named the hosts of the 2023 WCBL All-Star Game after hosting a very successful event this past summer. Learn more at dogsbaseball.ca. And AHP Academy is devoted to driven athletes. Taylor Burns and company are also expanding in big ways. Check them out on social as well as ahpbaseball.com. Until next time, thank you for all your support online, on social, and on air of Alberta Dugout Stories.